T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. DGB Nominal, where the universe is a figment of its own imagination. All systems remain nominal, nominal, nominal. Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. Helping me give the podcast its transatlantic flavour is my co-pilot for our journey, John Berger. Transatlantic flavour, like a kind of, you know, a, a, a supper dish. But, you know, just adding a little bit of sprinkle of this and this. So a little bit of English, a little bit of American. Oh, put it in the oven for 350 and you'll be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask. It's the Mountain Dew, it must be. <laughs> it had a little bit of family guy going in there, I think. It had a little bit of Stewie. <laughs> for me, it'd probably be more like Peter. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I never really watched that. Just downloaded a podcast, actually, um, one of Neil deGrasse Tyson ones, and he's got Seth MacFarlane on there with him. Huh. Uh, and the actual show is called The Science of Family Guy, so I'm trying to <laughs> work out that, how that works. <laughs> I mean... Seth MacFarlane was uh, he, he was uh, working with them for the Cosmos reboot. But yeah, yeah. The science of Family Guy. There is quite a bit of it in there. If you look at the different bits and pieces, there are a few science references here and there. There's also a lot of science fiction references in there as well. I mean, compl- three complete episodes about Star Wars. So. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> um, yeah. So, are, are you ready for the holidays? Oh, sure. And well, we've, we've got to get our Thanksgiving out of the way. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm probably more referring to, because that's the the big one for food, really, isn't it, for you guys? Well, I mean, really, well, granted, any American who considers a diet is considered to be abnormal anyway. Unless I mean, you're you, in you, California. You've been over here. You know the whole policy. If you don't gain some weight when you come over here to visit, you've done something wrong. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, pretty much between Thanksgiving and Christmas, just don't even bother. Just You're going to gain 10 pounds. Just deal with it between you know the, the the way we just go crazy for Thanksgiving and then the Christmas cookie season starts and then of course you're gonna have the big Christmas dinner so what it's, what is the difference for you between the Thanksgiving dinner and the Christmas dinner what what is the difference or is it just more of the same it's more of the same generally except the big thing for Thanksgiving is really meant to be turkey uh-huh Seeing as how that is indigenous to uh, America, that's that's you know the big thing here. Uh, Christmas, it usually can be ham, turkey, whatever. Because traditionally here for for Christmas is turkey, <laughs> which came over from the states. Yep. Um, but um, before the turkey came over from the states, it was goose, which is horrible. Really, never had it. <laughs> Greasy. Um, yeah. Uh, so this year we're having wild boar. Okay, that's different. Yeah, we're having what's called a wild boar cracker, which is a bit like a... Have you, you ever seen a beef wellington? Yes. Yeah, it's like that, but with wild boar in pastry and um, uh, stuffing and all kinds of things in it. So uh, we thought we'd, be, we'd try and be different. We had venison last year. Considering uh, what your northerly neighbours like to have, you know, that, that haggis. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know, with the, with, the, with the Scottish, I find it quite amusing. Uh, Christmas isn't really their festival. New Year's is their festival. The Hogmanay, as they call it. They have a national holiday on New Year's Day, like everybody else has over here, as New Year's Day off as a national holiday. But the Scottish have the 2nd of January to get over from the festivities. <laughs> So everyone's got a hangover in Scotland. <laughs> and no one is surprised. <laughs> that's that's okay. I mean, they actually give kids... In fact, I think it's this coming Monday. At least here in Pennsylvania, this is a big forested state. There's a lot of farmland, but there's a ton of forest. So deer hunting season starts. Mm-hmm. And they actually give kids the day off. To go hunting. To go hunting. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of the things that happened here. You know, there's there's been so much hunting, and I guess that so many parents took their kids out of school to go hunting that the schools just decided, you know what, we're just going to give the day off. Well, we used to have um, a thing locally to, well, grew up, called the Bucks County Show, the Buckinghamshire County Show. And uh, it was a, a huge uh, fair. And it always used to be the first week in September when the kids went back to school. And the teachers all wondered why there was no one in school, because they were all at the county fair, you know? Okay, it's just kind of the same thing. So um, they now pushed it forward, so it's always the last week in August. Well, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, too many schools complained to the organisers about the lack of attendance at school. (laughs) Sneaky buggers. So, I think when we come back, uh, we're going to get all geeky and techy, I think. So, um, we'll speak to you in a few moments. Hi, I'm Matt Damon. I play astronaut Mark Watney in The Martian. In the story, my character is accidentally stranded on Mars. Sending people to Mars and returning them safely is the challenge of a generation. The whole world held its breath when the Curiosity rover landed in 2012. The boot prints of astronauts will follow those rover tracks, thanks to innovations happening today. NASA's journey to Mars begins on the International Space Station, some 250 miles overhead, where we're learning how humans can thrive over long periods without gravity. Future round trips to Mars could take 500 days or longer. This year, NASA launched the first one-year mission to the International Space Station to help prepare for those future journeys. Here at home, people are working across the country on the new Orion spacecraft and Space Launch System rocket that will carry astronauts farther than ever before. When we invent new technologies for exploration, it benefits all of humanity. But more than that, the journey to Mars will forever change our history books, rewriting what we know about the Red Planet and expanding a human presence deeper into the solar system. Follow NASA's journey to Mars at www.nasa.gov. Did you know that the University of California's Santa Barbara Library has an online archive of wax cylinder recordings? Oh, that's cool. The uh, UCSB Library, with funding from the Institute of Museum and Library Services, the Grammy Foundation and other donors, has created a digital collection of over 10,000 cylinder recordings held by the Department of Special Collections. To bring these recordings to a wider audience, the library makes them available 
available to download or stream online for free. This searchable database features all types of recordings made from the late 1800s to the early 1900s, including popular songs, classical and operatic music, comedic monologues, ethnic and foreign recordings, speeches and readings. Did you uh, want to hear one of these recordings? Sure, that's cool stuff. This is actually a commercial from 1906 advertising the phonogram system that it was actually recorded on. I am the Edison phonograph created by the great wizard of the new world to delight those who would have melody or be amused. I can sing you tender songs of love. I can give you merry tales and joyous laughter. I can transport you to the realms of music. I can cause you to join in the rhythmic dance. I can lull the babe to sweet repose or waken in the aged heart soft memories of youthful days. No matter what may be your mood, I am always ready to entertain you. When your day's work is done, I can bring the theater or the opera to your home. I can give you grand opera, comic opera, or vaudeville. I can give you sacred or popular music, band, orchestra, or instrumental music. I can render solos, duets, trios, quartets. I can aid in entertaining your guests. When your wife is worried after the cares of the day and the children are boisterous, I can rest the one and quiet the other. I never get tired, and you will never tire of me, for I always have something new to offer. I give pleasure to all, young and old. I will go wherever you want me, in the parlor, in the sick room, on the porch, in the camp, or to your summer home. If you sing or talk to me, I will retain your songs or words and repeat them to you at your pleasure. I can enable you to always hear the voices of your loved ones, even though they are far away. I talk in every language. I can help you to learn other languages. I am made with the highest degree of mechanical skill. My voice is the clearest, smoothest, and most natural of any talking machine. The name of my famous master is on my body and tells you that I am a genuine Edison phonograph. The more you become acquainted with me, the better you will like me. Ask the dealer. That's quite... That was from a wax cylinder? Yeah. Now, I, I understand that they probably cleaned that up a lot, but holy cow. There's even actual recordings from Thomas Edison himself in this uh, archive. Well, that, that was just remarkably clear. Um, and there's um, loads of different speeches from different presidents and all kinds of stuff on there. It's really quite an amazing um, archive. That was neat. That, And I want to know what kind of accent that was. I don't know. There was a bit of Scottish in there. Yeah, it's, uh, it clearly wasn't modern American, but I don't know what it was. It was rather weird, wasn't it? I can retain your voice. <laughs> well, you know. They had to be theatrical for that sort of thing. But that was neat. <laughs> but um, you, there's hours and hours of stuff on there to listen to. Hmm. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes so everyone can uh, have a listen to those. Apple, Samsung, and HTC are all names that you would associate with a smartphone, right? What about Pepsi? 
Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> the soft drinks giant has switched its focus from cans and carbonation to processors and pixel counts, unveiling its first official handset, the Pepsi P1. All right, but is is that really Pepsi doing that, or is that just a manufacturer licensing their stuff? Uh, pretty much. Uh, it, it's not a joke. It's built by the Shenzhen Scooby Communication Equipment Company and is emblazoned with the traditional Pepsi logo. Uh, the Pepsi P1, despite its less than a, a lustrous roots, is pretty decent device on paper, at least. Um, it's 7.7 millimeters thick. It's 158 grams. It's metal bodied. It's Android powered. It's got a 5.5 inch full HD display with a 1.7 gigahertz octa-core processor and a 2 gig uh, of RAM. There's a 13 megapixel camera on the back uh, alongside an integrated fingerprint scanner. A 5 megapixel camera on the front, 3000 milliamp battery, 16 gigs of internal storage and expandable memory via a micro SD card. Sounds like pretty decent hardware. It doesn't but sound I mean, bad really, at all. It, it's, it's not that much different than I mean, Verizon over here licensed Star Wars. You know, and they called their phones droids, and I had the R2-D2 droid phone. I remember you, you getting know. that, and I was quite jealous, yeah. Actually, I still have it. <laughs> I do, it's up in the box. It says, um, while it's still unclear why Pepsi has taken the plunge into the tech sector, what we do know is this thing is not coming out in the UK anytime soon. Now, there's a surprise. I uh, doubt it's coming to the US either. Uh, Too bad, it sounds like a nice phone. Currently only available for pre-order, having been handed a near... Uh, $110 price tag or £73. That's cheap. Price will... Oh, here we go. Will be exclusive to China at launch. I couldn't imagine that that's Pepsi actually saying, hey, let's make a phone. They're really good at botching promotional launches, but... Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, folks, I've got a 15-plus minute rant about their Pepsi Perfect launch over on my podcast over at widescreen.org's Shameless Self-Promotion. But rather rather than rehash that whole thing here. I think you've already covered that on this one anyway. Did I? I (laughs) I think so. We covered it on Back to the Future Day. Well, it wasn't 15 minutes long, that's for sure. No. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that Sony is finally finally ceasing production of Betamax videotapes? <laughs> Only just. <laughs> Only just. They're, they're still manufacturing beta tapes. They're still being used. They're still popular. But they were better quality than VHS. They, they were better quality, but still, dude, we're talking about magnetic tape. We're talking about Betamax. <laughs> 30-year-old technology and they're just now getting rid of the tapes. I read that I was just like, What? <laughs> Shows how good it is. Or it just, well, actually, from what I understand, it's not unusual for like us in the states and Europe and so forth to just embrace all this new technology. But then it's it's not unusual for Japan to hold on to older technology just because it works. Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So they've just now gotten to the point where it's they're just getting rid of the beta tapes. It's, you just can't get your head around that, can you? Really. 
Well, it's kind of funny to, to read that analog, you know, vinyl records, mm. they're coming back big time. Yeah, expensive. To the, point, but big to the point that even new albums are being manufactured. And I think there's only one, maybe two, but I, I, I know there's really only one cassette manufacturer left, and they said that they can't keep up with demand. Strange that, because yeah. cassettes is not a brilliant format. No, but they said that they cannot keep up with demand. And they every time a, a cassette manufacturing place went out of business, they would buy up the equipment. So they've got one guy who diagnoses all the equipment when it goes bad, and he will bastardize parts from other machines and so forth. And basically, he's the only one capable of doing that because no one else knows how to do anything with them. So if anything happens to him, they're, they're kind of stuck. They are a little bit. It's weird and neat to see people going back to that stuff. And I've kind of made that argument for a long time. And, you know, I have, no, I have no, nothing wrong with MP3s. They're fine. But it's like, you know, there's just something to holding a, a record and reading the liner notes. Yeah. You know, I, or, I, or holding a cassette and then taking the cassette out and then unfolding the cardboard thing, you know, the cover to it mm-hmm. to get the same kind of thing. There's something tangible about it that's really, really cool. So I guess it doesn't really surprise me. That that Japan still was holding on to beta. Have, have you seen those um, picture frames, twelve-inch picture frames, so you can put your vinyl uh, album? I've got one. I, I I have a signed. I have an autographed copy of Pat Benatar's Tropico, mm-hmm. and I've got that in, in one of those uh, record frames, and it's hanging up on my wall. Cool. I just love that idea because the, that was the whole point. I mean, the album art from back in oh, the day. Yeah. I mean, you look at some of those Pink Floyd album covers. They were just unreal. Oh, yeah, no, there's no question. A lot of those album covers definitely qualify as art. Oh, yeah. You know, with just the amount of effort that someone got hired to paint that. Mm-hmm, definitely. So, but it's just neat that, but I remember, also remember reading that the actual machine that's used to press the vinyl, mm-hmm. they're kind of running into the same thing. They have no way to replace it if it breaks. So it's just amazing to see all these people suddenly be like, you know, MP3s are cool, but I can actually hold this. Mm-hmm. This is neat. You've heard of the, the Raspberry Pi, uh, which has been a huge success everywhere, I think, especially in Britain, giving millions of people an affordable way to tinker and learn with the pocket-sized hardware. Now the BBC is hoping to make a similar impact with the micro bits. Like the Raspberry Pi, this tiny computer has been created to help youngsters learn the fundamentals of programming and computer construction. It's a rectangular credit card-sized board measuring 4 centimeters by 5 centimeters and some all-important hardware features. These include 25 red LEDs, which can show messages and facilitate games. Um, it's got two programmable buttons, an onboard accelerometer, a magnetometer. The device also offers Bluetooth LE connectivity, a micro USB slot, and five input and output rings that can be hooked up with crocodile clips and four millimeter banana plugs so it's, it's quite compatible with a lot of different things it's been a while since the original bbc micro was considered cutting edge which we mentioned in the last episode but even so this new device is roughly 18 times faster and 67 times lighter than its spiritual predecessor 
Uh, the BBC has a slew of partners for the Microbit, including ARM, Microsoft, Samsung and Barclays Bank, obviously helping with the finances on it. Uh, the broadcaster have given away one million of these devices to every Year 7 student. For people not in the UK, uh, Year 7 students are 11 to 12 year olds. So they, they gave them away in October. Being so small, students will be able to carry them between classes, compare modifications in the, in the playground and collaborate on their assignments. Uh, the BBC have also launched a website where students can learn how to program the microbit and simulate creations before transferring them to their device. But the BBC says it will uh, open source the specs and launch a non not-for-profit company tasked at overseeing the incentive. Eventually, that will involve creating new microbit computers and making them commercially available in the UK. It sounds nice. really good. Uh, I've had a look at the, the, the website that they set up. There's some nice little videos on there uh, showing you what this thing can do. Um, I'll put some links up to that on, on the show notes so you can have a look at that. I've, I've found a, an interesting story. Well, it's more of a, a poll, really. The digital spy readers have been voting for their greatest science fiction movie of all time. Um, any ideas what's in that top ten, John? Uh sci-fi uh well i would assume one of the three original star wars movies uh let's see probably blade runner got thrown in there uh see times like this the mind just goes blank any other time it's like oh yeah i can rattle off 50 sci-fi movies that are awesome and then you throw something like this and the brain just says nope not letting you know okay i'll 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 run through them with you uh we've got number 10 we've got terminator 2 judgment day okay uh number nine you've got inception yeah okay all right i mean i don't know that'd be top 10 but it was definitely a good movie uh number eight you've got the matrix there you go yep uh number seven you've got aliens Mm mm-hmm number six back to the future yeah Number five, you've got Alien. Number four, you've got Blade Runner. Number three is Star Wars A New Hope. Number two is The Empire Strikes Back. And at number one is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Really? Yep. Number one? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, nothing against it. I'm just surprised that it was ranked number one. It's a very odd choice. It's a, it's a good film. It, it depends how you, you look at sci-fi, really. For a while, in it, not a lot happens. Yeah, um, true. But visually, it's a very good film, considering... When was it made? 68, 69, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. something I mean, like that, that? That predates Star Wars by many years. So the effects are awesome. And, I mean, uh, Kubrick was um, just an amazing director anyway. But huh. fo- following on from that, Ridley Scott will act as executive producer on 3001 The Final Odyssey for sci-fi. Arthur C. Clarke's sequel to 2001 Space Odyssey will air as a mini-series on the cable network. It's scheduled for air sometime in 2017 and Stuart Beatty, famed from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, is on board as the screenwriter. Beatty will also work as the executive producer alongside Scott, David W. Zucca and Clayton Kruger. 3001 was published in 1997 and is the concluding part of Arthur C. Clarke's four novel series. This is the second sci-fi series based on the work of Arthur C. Clarke with a mini-series adaptation of Childhood's End which airs on sci-fi in the US 
in December. So that's that's interesting. I I did actually like um, the follow up to 2001. 2010. Not as good as the original, but uh, it was still quite good. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what uh, sci-fi actually do with that. There's a new Star Trek series coming out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of my reaction too. At first, I was like, "My God, new Star Trek! Oh, this is going to be so cool!" And then I saw that CBS is hiding it behind a paywall. Hmm. I'm not too sure how that's going to work over here. I'm guessing it's just going to be some kind of syndication over there. But yeah, unfortunately, they are coming out with the new Star Trek series in 2017, and it's going to be hidden behind their CBS All Access paywall. I mean, it, uh, on one hand, it's it's six bucks a month. And you get access to thousands of episodes of their TV shows, including all of the other Star Trek episodes. Mm-hmm. But still, it's like, you know, that's a really jerk move. I mean, from a business side, I guess it makes sense. From a fan perspective, that stinks. It seems that really stinks. Everything seems to be heading that way, though, doesn't it? But then the problem is, you know, we've, we're paying God knows how much. Well, over here in the States, cable subscription rates are just stupid high. We don't have a lot of the, the benefits that you guys have over there with, you know, BBC and you pay your license fee once a year, but you get access to just a, a large amount of programming and so forth. You know, we kind of get raked over the coals here when it comes to any kind of cable access. So we're already paying that. Most people already have Netflix, which is an additional fee. Some people also have Amazon, which is an additional fee. Then you've got Hulu Plus, and you've got all these. Well, now here's yet another subscription. And I mean, I've already had friends of mine on Twitter who are big Star Trek fans saying, uh-uh, I'll torrent that first. Plus, just on, on a Star Trek side of things, which timeline is it going to follow? Is it going to follow those from the original series through Voyager? Is it go- no, Enterprise was just, I don't even want to talk about that. Because <laughs> that yeah. was just, w- when you piss off your fan base in the first 10 seconds of the premiere episode, you got a problem. And then, obviously, we've got the two new movies, um, which are a completely different timeline. So there's still no word. Which one is it going to follow? I think that most, and this is just a guess on my part, most of the old school fan base is probably not going to be too thrilled if they follow the new timeline. I don't know. That's just a guess. There's no way to know. And then you throw that on top of the fact that they're hiding it behind a paywall. Now, there, there is suspicion that it's going to follow the new timeline because the producer for this new Star Trek series is also the guy who was the producer on the two reboot movies. So there's a lot of people are excited for it. A lot of people are not excited for us. But then again, it was the same when The Next Generation came out. People were like, yeah, I don't know. You, you saw pictures of these the new crew, and you looked at them, you went, yeah, I'm not sure about these. Really? I, I didn't, I don't know, I, I didn't really feel that way. I didn't know anybody else who... There was a problem with the other series, was that in almost all of them, the first season was horrible. Uh, the yeah. first season was really bad. I think that's the same in, in every single uh, show. It could be. be it could be. I don't, I don't remember that. I was really excited to see Next Generation. I thought the new Enterprise looked kind of funky, but... Probably just a uh, British thing. I'm not too sure, but... You know, we were looking at uh, people like um, Geordie and uh, Geordie for example. Why has he got a headband around his eyes? Um, that kind of thing. Didn't know that he was actually blind and and that kind of because we didn't know the storyline. 
Right. We're just looking at the, the, the sneak peek pictures that were coming over from the States. And it was like, yeah, why has this guy got a headband around his eyes, you know? Right. That See, I, I just remember having a conversation with my friends when they were first doing the publicity photos. And we're trying to guess who's who. Mm-hmm. Well, you knew who Picard was just because he was front and center. Mm-hmm. But then they're saying, okay, one of them's an android. All right, is it the guy with the white skin? Is it what turned out to be Counselor Troy? Because in that publicity photo, she just kind of had this blank stare and she was just looking off into space. Yeah. Whereas everybody else was kind of looking at the camera. It's like, okay, so is she the android because she's just kind of got a blank stare on her? But what, what, yeah, maybe that guy over there with the, with the, the band on his head, maybe he's, I don't know. See, that, that's, we were all kind of excited trying to figure out who's who. I was just upset when Tasha Yar got um, killed off. But you know what? I understand her reasoning. Yeah. She pretty much was nothing more than sex appeal. Yeah. And she didn't want that, which I get it. I, I like the storyline behind her, though, because, you know, she came from a you know a really rough background and she'd yeah. been abused and this, that, and the other, which made her really tough. A ton of potential there. Mm. Although it was kind of neat how they brought, how they kind of brought her back into the series later. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as Romulan... You know, half Romulan and all that. Just like that, and then they actually did have it make sort of make sense. Yeah, she's like, wait, a minute, how is she a half Romulan? How is Tasha Yar her mother? This makes no sense. And then the one episode comes up with the Enterprise scene. It's like, oh, that's how. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes more sense now. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, but um, you know, having a, a Klingon officer on board made the difference. Though that was cool. Having Wolf on there was. You know, something that Kirk would never have approved of. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, no. <laughs> no just, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I don't know that that's going to be so much the issue. So I think now we saw what happened with Enterprise. We're hoping Paramount takes their lumps and learns from that and never make that kind of mistake again. But yeah, hiding it behind a paywall, I was like, ugh. Guys, that's... And then, and then which timeline is it going to follow now? My initial response of, oh my God, this is awesome, is now tempered down to, uh, yeah, I don't know. When that announcement came out, I mean, you could not move on Facebook. Oh, no. Every other post was something about Star Trek. I contributed to it. I admit it. <laughs> but yeah because I mean let's face it except for the mo- how long has it been since Enterprise went off the air oh man I mean, it's um, been it's been a while yeah uh, well okay how long has it been since a decent Star Trek series has been off the air which I guess would be the end of Voyager uh- <laughs> actually have you seen some of these um, fan produced ones that have been on oh. some of those are amazing especially the ones where they're actually getting the uh, the 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 people from Star Trek to come in. Yeah, there was one based around the old, the original series. Have you seen any of those episodes? I've just been watching the latest one, and Colin Baker's in it. One of the Doctors mm-hmm. from the, the old school Doctor Who's, um, who doesn't live too far from here actually. Um, yeah. I was really surprised to see him in it. <laughs> they do an amazing job with that. Obviously. Everything looks great, and even the, the people who they got for the to replace the original actors, they got their characters nailed down. Especially what? the guy who plays Kirk. Holy cow, he's good. Wasn't the guy who plays Scotty, wasn't he um, his son, his real son in real life, isn't it? I think. Uh, I don't remember that one. I think he is, yeah. What confused the hell out of me 
uh, and he got killed off very, very quickly in there. Uh, Jamie Bamba was in there, uh, who played Apollo in Battlestar Galactica. Yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was Benedict. Uh, that, sorry, that was Richard Hatch. No, Jamie Bamba was in there. Well, no, but you said Battlestar. You said uh, Apollo and Battlestar Galactica in the new Battlestar Galactica. Oh, the new one. My bad. My bad. Sorry, I'm I'm old school when it comes to Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that is that is really cool, and I know that they were also able to get. I don't know if it was that fan series or it was another one. Remember the original Star Trek episode that had Apollo? Yeah, they got him back to reprise his role yeah. as Apollo. I remember and again, that. this is a fan film. And then there's another one out now called uh, Star Trek Renegades, and it's got Walter Koenig in it. Yeah, I, and that's... you know, a, a lot of the people are come. A lot of people from DS9 and Next Gen and so forth and the original series are coming back to be part of this. And I will, you know, as much as I think CBS is being jerks for hiding Star Trek behind a paywall, I will give Paramount absolute kudos for this their policy has been for a while now you can do anything you want with star trek you can use the music you can use the assets just don't make a profit off it Mm -hmm. and we will let you go and i will absolutely give paramount kudos for doing that because they have allowed some fan films and, and fan movies and episodes to come out that are just amazing you can tell that a lot of love has gone into making these things. Oh, absolutely. I, I love fan films uh, of any description, uh, as long as they're good ones, of course. Well, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of them out there that are not good. Uh, actually, one of the Star Wars ones that um, I saw was absolutely brilliant. It was it was called R2, and it was based around the storyline of E.T., where the Elliot character was actually George Lucas. He found this droid in the in the in the little shed out in the backyard, and he he started projecting all these images of what's going on in the Empire and the Rebel Alliance and this that and the other. George is there with his little notebook, <laughs> taking down all these nice. notes. It's awesome, and it's all about how George Lucas came to write <laughs> the. <laughs> the screenplay and everything it was because he'd met this real droid R2D2 that's cool <laughs> that, that I like that one I haven't seen that one so you've heard of Mystery Science Theater 3000 correct? Um, yeah I don't know if that was popular over there at all or, um, or if you just knew it from your, your voyages over here it was and wasn't um, it was on the sci-fi channel over here and it was on pretty late at night so oh. Uh, it's only the night owls that really got to see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's coming back. It's got a Kickstarter going. It's already passed its minimum goal. And it's basically it's the same guy who created it in the first place. And they're going to come back with more of a web series than anything else. All right. Oh, cool. So they wanted $2 million. They got that. And that's going to be enough to fund three episodes. And they've got... Uh, higher goals of 3.3 million for six episodes, 4.4 million for nine episodes, or 5.5 million for 12 episodes. And you know, he goes through the whole thing about why the cost and where it goes to, you know, licensing and production and all of that. But uh, yeah, so any Mystery Science 3000, yeah, <clears throat> sorry, Mystery Science Theater 3000 fans. Uh, there's a Kickstarter out there, and it's already successful. But if you really like it, then you can. Just try to get even more episodes done for it. 
desire a place to get away? How about three? You truly belong here among the clouds on Bespin, the first stop on your Star Tours getaway package. Stay and play in the clouds and enjoy the spectacular Galaxy in the Skies fireworks pageant every single night. The fun continues on the forest moon of Endor, where you'll sleep under the stars with the lovable Ewoks in their charming tribal villages. Your third stop brings you to the peaceful world of Alderaan, where you can relax in a natural wonderland, recently voted safest planet in the galaxy by Hyperspace Traveler. This Star Tours getaway package is three times the fun in one, so ask your travel consultant to book yours today. Obviously, Star Wars is less than a month away, and uh, there's actually quite a bit going on regarding that one. A lot of uh, little little hints. I mean, I'm not even going to talk about the the TV spots that we're getting over here because we're getting a ton of brand new, like 15 and 20 second TV spots, most of which are just a rehash of what we've already seen. But Mark Hamill has decided to drop a little bit of a bomb on us. I'll just let him say it. It's crazy, though. This NDA stuff, people don't know, non-disclosure agreement, where you're not allowed to talk about anything. I, I have something coming out where they, they there's a, an amount of money that if it leaks, because of me, I don't get that payment. If I keep it a secret until the day it comes out, I get that payment. But, you know, I, I'm good about uh, keeping secrets. I, I, I'm proud of the fact that I knew a year and a half before anybody else that uh, he was actually dad Vader. Uh, I didn't even tell Harrison, you know, so uh, uh, and, or my wife, because I thought, you know, you know, she it would be terrible if she you know, said, you know what, to a fan and it got out because Irvin Kirshner said, I know something I'm going to tell you. George knows, meaning George Lucas. I know, and I'm going to tell you, and if it leaks, we'll know it's you. Because the line originally was, you don't know the truth, Obi-Wan killed your father. And he said, we're going to take out that line and put in, I am your father. Well, I thought, well, first of all, if Sir Alec Guinness is the real villain, that's a pretty good twist in and of itself. But this is even better. I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. It was, you know, just a mind-boggling plot twist, but... uh, I still remember when we saw the first screening, Harrison turned to me and said, you never told me that. I said, I know, but I, I, I would have gotten in trouble if I told you. So now it's happening all over again. I'm not even authorized to tell you I'm in episode seven. It's all secrets. So big plot twist. And he admits that here we go again with it. I'm just loving his Harrison Ford impression. (laughs) (laughs) That goes in conjunction with he just sent out a tweet last night that said uh, last shaved on October 22nd after final day of my second The Flash, because he shows he's in The Flash over here on TV. Mm -hmm. He says just in time for episode eight. So basically he's acknowledging that he's going to be in episode 8 which also brings up a bit of a mystery because as I'm sure others have have talked and I think we've probably talked about it too 
he kind of disappeared from any recent marketing for Episode 7. Yeah. So his acknowledgement that there's going to be a major plot twist, plus his acknowledging that he's going to be in Episode 8, it's just, what, what's going on here? Uh, I'm thinking that possibly his role in Seven is more of him doing flashbacks and talking about the past and what's going on and things. This is not a big role for him, but Episode Eight is where Luke comes into his own. That that seems to be the case, but it's just uh, at least we only have a month to to wait to find out. Yeah, not even that. <laughs> Because now I'm, this is killing me. I want to know. now. But there's so many people out there saying, oh, Luke is actually Kylo Ren. It's like, no. We've seen clips of Kylo Ren with and without his helmet. He is not Luke Skywalker. No. Then the build is completely wrong anyway. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> hmm, okay, none of that makes any sense. But it's like, okay, so has Luke actually gone bad? Or you know, what? Oh, I want to find out. <laughs> There's been a couple of rumours about um, Simon Pegg's role in it as well. There's this... I can't remember the character name now, but they, they reckon he might be this kingpin junker who um, doesn't like people being on his patch and stuff. They, they think his character might be that, but they're only going by the shape of the padded costume that, that, that was in that behind-the-scenes video thing um, hmm. to go on. That's all... Like, it's a similar build. That's the thing so he could be anybody he could be nobody it could be just a a walk on path for all we know and yeah i think he'd be happy with that anyway <laughs> <laughs> i would be <laughs> so yeah and there's a lot of lot of controversy as as you know surrounding the whole thing and there's been a, a bit of controversy regarding one of Princess Leia's outfits, hasn't there? Yeah, just a little bit. It's the, one of the first things you think of when you think of Return of the Jedi. Well, the boys think, anyway. <laughs> uh, 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 speed, speeder bikes and Ewoks, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not official from Disney that it's going to happen. It's most likely, but it's not official. And, yeah, that that's one of those things where... Sorry, I get it, but at the same time, the reasoning that I understand behind that slave outfit was, uh, I'm sure that there was sex appeal as part of it, but there was also supposed to be Jabba trying to basically denigrate her, mm-hmm. that she's now his slave. Yeah. and she, I, I she, don't know. I just think it's ridiculous. Uh, broke, and, and don't broke. even get me started on this whole mentality that somehow the human body is evil and needs to be hidden. I'm not even going to go there. But it's the fact that she breaks free from her oppressor. And it's and it's her slave outfit that helped her to break free from her oppressor yeah. Yeah. because she used that chain that was attached to her to strangle him. I can understand it as toys I, I get that yeah. but when it comes to models we're talking the black series ones and things like that sure. which which are there for collectors they're not really toys for kids they shouldn't ban them from those series but there was that big argument earlier in the year don't put them with the toys yeah it's away from it should be in a hobby shop rather than a toy you shop know, I'm, I'm fine with that too weren't the black series done by hasbro so weren't they actually licensed out or were, they, uh, or were those actually made by Disney? No, they were Hasbro. Okay, so yeah. as long as, if, as long as Disney doesn't say we're not going to license it anymore either, then I guess I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. But if they say, because right now what I'm seeing is that 
Disney's not going to do anything further with Slave Leia. As long as they don't prevent others from doing that through, you know, through denial of licensing, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm just hoping they don't say that nobody can have that image at um, conventions and things as well, because there's a lot of cosplayers that uh, you know I'm, enjoy uh, that. I don't know that they'd be legally allowed to do that. Yeah. I mean, especially if they made the costumes themselves and they're not selling anything. They're just there in the outfit that they made and that they enjoy wearing. Does Disney have a right to say you can't wear that in public? I don't know that they do. Because, I mean, we all know that they're not representing Disney. No, that's for sure. I don't know that that's going to be an issue. But again, I'm not a lawyer, so this is not constitute any kind of legal advice. (laughs) And, And this might have also been pushed a little bit because uh, there was an interview where Carrie Fisher was actually interviewing oh god she's gonna be the female lead for oh Force Awakens Daisy Ridley Daisy Ridley oh my god I'm terrible with names today I don't know what it is but yeah interviewing it was Carrie Fisher interviewing Daisy Ridley and she basically said don't let them put you in a slave outfit you know just because you know Carrie Fisher has had that link to her for decades now Mm mhm and so, so she, her attitude was basically, don't let them do that to you. It was in a humor. If you read the entire interview, those two are having fun. It's very clear those two are having fun and, and they're playing off each other. So I'm not saying that Carrie Fisher was absolutely dead serious about this. I think it was my, a mix of half humorous, half serious. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't too long after that that suddenly Disney makes this announcement. So it's like, eh, hmm, maybe. But still, I... As long as they don't deny it for licensing, and I just I just don't see how they can stop it for cosplaying. You know, as long as someone doesn't say, "Hey, I'm representing Disney." <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, but I think we all know if you're a cosplayer, you're not representing anybody but yourself. I'm not utterly. I just hope they don't go back to it and CGI her in a different costume. Do you remember when they um, rehashed E.T.? Yes, and he got so much flack for that. I think he learned his lesson on that one. Yeah, it just really didn't look right with the walkie-talkies rather than the guns. We all know the FBI and such like carry guns. (laughs) Yeah, and anybody who's seen the movie in the past 30 years knows that they were carrying guns. So, yeah, that kind of revisionism is just like, why? It is silly. It really is silly. And, and in fact, with the new films, with them being, um, well, is it a 13 in the States, the, the new movie? PG-13? Is it? I, probably. Almost certainly. Because it's a 12, what we call a 12A. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I, I haven't seen any official rating for it, but it, I would almost assume it's going to be PG-13. It's definitely not R, because mm-hmm. there would have been a whole bunch of people angry if it was supposed to be R. Oh, what a um, film that would have been, though. Yeah, yeah, R rating for The Force Awakens? No, that would not have that would not have been good. I, I would have liked to have seen Episode 3 done as, as an R-rated movie. I would have liked to have never seen Episode 3. No, my, my, my interpretation of how dark that should have been yeah but you gotta understand the motion picture association of america are real idiots when it comes to their ratings you know just because it would have been our rating doesn't necessarily mean anything mm-hmm. you know because it, it's the most idiotic thing if you enter more than like two or three f-bombs in a movie boom automatic r rating yeah. how insane is that because oh right because teenagers never swear no no of course they don't you know 
and and you can have a whole bunch of blood and guts and so forth. And as long as it doesn't get too gratuitous, it's PG-13. But you show like a, a woman's bare nipple for more than two seconds, boom, R rating. The MPAA are idiots. Even if uh, episode three did manage to finagle some kind of an R rating, I don't know that it really would have done anything better or worse to the movie. In the 80s and early 90s, when they used to bring out two versions of the film, mm -hmm. we used to have one that was made for the cinema and one that was made for TV. Great example of that was um, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that would be absolutely neutered <laughs> for... for, for you know, any kind of non-R showing. Yeah, no, the MPAA still has not given it a rating yet, but it's expected to be PG-13. All right. It's, it's definitely uh, what we call a 12A yeah. over here. Um, and we weren't... Because 12A is quite a new rating over here, um, and we were trying to yeah. figure out how that works. Um, it, it works the same as a PG-13. Uh, yeah. Anyone under the age of that can go in as long as they're with an adult. Oh, well, well hey... Here's another example on where the MPAA is just, they're meaningless anymore. Another movie that was rated PG, Disney's Frozen. Really? There really wasn't anything in there that would have prevented children from watching it. But yet the MPAA decided there was enough in there, like enough sexual innuendo. And yeah, there were a few things in there, but kids wouldn't have understood that. And, you know, uh, uh, just, just some of the, like, the chase scenes and so forth that they decided, nope, this has to be PG. Do you need an, any other examples on how meaningless MPAA ratings are? <laughs> Believe me, I'm, I'm sure you've heard me... On your show, yeah. on this on, on my podcast, uh, widescreen.org. <clears throat> and um, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter if, if The Force Awakens is going to be PG-13 or R. It's still going to be amazing. And even if it's R... The kids are still going to go in. They'll find a way. <laughs> well, I mean, just, I, I have no problems taking, my youngest is eight years old. I've already got my tickets purchased for all five, for all five of us to go. Yeah. You know, I know she's eight and yeah, there might be a few scenes that get intense. I'm sure she can handle it. Mm -hmm. And if she can't, it's not going to be to a level where we're going to be like, boy, we really shouldn't have brought her. The movies are not made for that kind of thing, if you know what I mean. It's not made to upset. They were made as a family film. That was George Lucas's intention. He had it as a, a Saturday morning movie, didn't he? It was like the old westerns and the, mm -hmm. the, the old Buck Rogers. That, that was how it was how it was meant to be seen. And of course, it's obviously it's evolved. Yeah. And... Um, it would not be in their interest to have it any other way, really. No, not at all. On the back of what we just said there, recently George Lucas was interviewed by This Morning, and uh, this is what he had to say about why he steered clear of directing the Star Wars sequels. The issue was, ultimately, they looked at the stories and they said, we want to make something for the fans. So I said, all I wanted to do was tell a story of what happened you know, it started here and it went there. And it's all about generations and it's about, you know, the issues of fathers and sons and grandfathers. And it's a family soap opera. I am your father. It's called space opera, but it, people don't realize it's actually a soap opera. And it's all about family problems and that kind of, it's not about spaceships. So they decided they didn't want to use those stories. They decided they were going to go do their own thing. And so I decided, fine. But basically, I'm not going to try to... They weren't that keen to have me involved anyway. But at the same time, I said, I'm not going to... If I get in there, I'm just going to cause trouble. 
because they're not going to do what I want them to do. So, and I don't have the control to do that anymore. And all I would do is muck everything up. So I said, okay, I will go my way and I'll let them go their way. And it really does come down to a, a simple rule of life, which is when you break up with somebody, the first rule is no phone calls. The second rule, you don't go over to their house and drive by to see what they're doing. The third one is you don't show up at their coffee shop or the things what you're going to burn in. You just say, no, gone, history, I'm moving forward. Do you think he sounds a bit bitter? Uh, maybe a little bit, but the other side of that coin, he's right. It's not his property anymore, and he's even said that now he's looking forward to, to seeing it as a fan instead of, you know, it's, it's creator or whatever. So, I mean, I, I understand where he's going with it, but I would understand if he was also a little bit bitter with it, too. Lucas also posed a question to director J.J. Abrams asking what happened to Darth Vader's grandkids, to which Abrams responded, you tell me, you made this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one. <laughs> I love that. His answer doesn't really fit, though, because they've pretty much wiped anything that would have been in the expanded universe or whatever, so he can't really answer that question anymore. No, that's true. <laughs> Finn, um, his lineage may have been accidentally leaked by Amazon in a description of a Cardinal 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> Believe it or not. It's in a collector's tin bearing Finn's image, but the description stated in brackets a certain character's son. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, they're saying it's Lando Calrissian's son. I mean, it's certainly not unplausible um, or implausible, whatever the proper phrase is. It, it doesn't surprise me if that's what if that's what it turns out to be. Although it is kind of curious how he becomes a stormtrooper. Yeah, I mean, there's, there are people saying that um, Lando Calrissian would probably sell his own grandmother if he could. Uh, he's one of these kind of characters. But I wouldn't have thought he would have deviated from the Rebel Alliance. Not after everything they'd gone through. Yeah, I mean, unless something really bad happened after Jedi that we're not aware of, I can't really see that happening, but... Maybe Finn didn't get on with his dad, and in spite, he joined the Academy, worked his way up, found out things that he didn't like, and decided to d desert <laughs> the Empire. Yeah. Um, it could be anything. <laughs> I don't think that'd be that much of a stretch. It'd be a bit convenient. Yeah. You know, but that's okay. I'm also hearing people saying that uh, Ray is actually supposed to be uh, Han and Leia's daughter. Yeah, I've been hearing that from the word go, to be honest. Uh, I'm sorry. That, that's that's where coincidences start to come a bit too much. Mm -hmm. Oh, he just happens to be Lando in this massive galaxy. He just happens to be Lando's son. Oh, she just happens to be Han and Leia's daughter. It's, what? No, 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 no. We're getting a bit too much here. Mm -hmm. But it, it would explain why he could get his hands on that line lightsaber though because his involvement in Bespin he would have been involved there at some point yeah. it could have ended up in some trash heap somewhere what's really at the base of, of Cloud City you does anybody really know you don't know <laughs> it could be a big net <laughs> yeah so it's like uh, I don't know that, that's a bit too much of a coincidence as well but see the thing is because they also were questioning Han if based on what the, the one trailer said 
they were like asking him if the whole thing about Jedi and so forth was true. So, if that's the case, someone had to know about Luke's lightsaber, unless it is that somebody was just at the base of it and scrunt. Well, I mean, they, well, you know what? It might have been some kind of a scavenger because Luke went into what is effectively a garbage chute mm-hmm. at the end of, of Empire Strikes Back. So. Yeah. Maybe it was just somebody scavenging through the trash that they dumped from Cloud City and came upon this lightsaber. One of those, um, uh, what are they called? Ugnaughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, there, there's so many what ifs with this that, you know, it doesn't really matter. We'll find <laughs> out in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, for him being related to Lando, I mean, it, that's, wow, that, that's kind of a coincidence, but, eh, you know, anything's possible. Well, you know, I guess it's no more of a coincidence than Princess Leia happening to be Luke's sister. Yeah, it's all coincidence, it seems to be, the whole way through. It's almost like, you know, with the different phrases that they've got there with, you know, I've got a very bad feeling about this, which seems to go right the way through. I have a bad feeling about this. I've got a bad feeling about this. Feeling about this. A very bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this. I don't know. I have a bad feeling about this. I have a bad feeling about this. Really bad feeling about this. I'm hoping somebody says it <laughs> number seven <laughs> as well. I'll be looking out for that and you'll hear me cheer in the cinema. Oh, um, I'm sure a lot of us will be. <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. I mean, just what a coincidence that that Obi-Wan spent so much time with R2-D2 and then suddenly, I don't remember owning a droid. That's kind of weird. And Darth Vader just so happened to be the one to make C-3PO. And I don't know. <laughs> Lawrence Kasdan, who also did Empire Strikes Back, co-wrote seven he's co-writing eight he he pretty much came out and said look i've done four star wars movies i'm done the problem is the star wars movies that he's done are the really good ones this is true true star wars fans like he actually said in that poll that i I mentioned earlier the empire strikes back comes out higher Mm -hmm. than a new hope mainly because it's what i call star wars for adults Yeah, and it was it was just a, a different turn, you know. It was a lot darker, and and it was just something unlike the first one. So, oh yeah, here it is. Uh, yeah, so he's working on eight, and oh, he's working on the Han Solo movie. Have and you, he said with all of those, those are going to be the last ones for him. Have you heard what Disney have said though about their planning on bringing out a Star Wars related movie from now to eternity? And this surprises who? <laughs> so we will probably never get to see the final Star Wars movie. <laughs> probably not, but I would think at some point, even with as rich of a base that they can take from, I think at some point they're going to run it dry and even the fans are going to be like, okay, dude, back off. That's basically what they said, though, was as long as people are... Well, they pretty much said if as long as people are willing to part with their money, uh, we'll keep making them. That in and of itself, not surprising. But that's kind of a really, really, really tall order. I mean, to keep it good enough that... You know, that will make people want to keep coming back year after year after year. That's a tall order. 
I think there's going to be a lot, a lot more spin Oh, there'd have to be. It's not going to be the same people doing it the whole time uh, as it is with um, Rogue One. It's you know it's completely different people doing mm-hmm. doing that, which is going to be an interesting take. So uh, just wait and see how it goes. I mean, so far they haven't put a foot wrong, but it's early days, isn't it? <laughs> right. Oh no, not necessarily. I mean, they had the Clone Wars. They have a lot on on TV with with animation and so forth um, that have been really well. I am really enjoying Star Wars Rebels. I must admit, I do like Star Wars Rebels. The storylines are awesome. Um, the strong female characters that they've got there—they've just uh, one of the new storylines that have just unraveled on the last episode. That one of the the female characters is a Mandalorian um, bounty hunter, or was. Mm. And now she works for the Rebel Alliance. So it's quite interesting stuff. I mean, I think the real problem that they're going to have to deal with is eventually, right now, there's so much interest because it all still links in one way or another to the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. And there's just going to come a point where they're not really going to be able to do that anymore. You know, you can only create so many spinoffs for the characters that were in the movies. Mm -hmm. You you know, eventually they're going to run out of stuff. So once they reach that point, what are they going to do? Unless they find some way of getting really interesting characters before then that they can spin off from. Because they're going to have to cut away from it at some point to keep Mm -hmm. it fresh. Uh, And uh, to a degree, I know it it does lead up to episode four eventually. Because it's set... uh, I think it's about five years before the Battle of Yavin. But the characters themselves, the main characters, have got absolutely nothing to do with any of the the movies at all right apart from vader makes an appearance here and there right but it's it still links back to the original trilogy yeah blast off into the potosphere with tgp nominal have you seen any of the pictures from that Alnapon Airways 787 Dreamliner that's made to look like R2-D2? Yes, I have. <laughs> Aren't those pictures amazing? I don't mean just the, the airliner itself, but what they did inside? It is pretty cool. For anyone who hasn't seen it yet, there's like a stuffed Yoda sitting in first class. The, the places where you, you, know, you rest your head in the back of the seat, I guess it's paper or fabric that they can just dispose of or clean or something. Well, those look like R2-D2. And the stewardess, sorry, can't say stewardesses anymore, I guess. It's what, flight attendants? Is that the proper phrase? Yeah, or cabin crew. Whatever. They, they do what <laughs> they do, except they're holding lightsabers the whole time. Uh, they've they've stolen them off the guy on the runway, you know the guy. <laughs> <that's> the- <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, that wouldn't that be a trip if they did that too? Yeah, that would. Instead, instead of just the flashlights with the uh, plastic caps, actually made them lightsabers to direct the airplanes. <laughs> Make more sense. You could see it more easily. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense now that I think about it. It's, it's like, um, talking of that, there's a nightclub in, in Manchester in the UK that they've completely redesigned it and it now looks like the cantina. Oh, the Moss Eisley cantina. It looks like the Moss Eisley cantina. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I want to see just, this. Just for the run-up to the film. But if somebody walks in there with a 3PO outfit, are they going to say, we don't serve your kind here? (laughs) In that rough Texas kind of accent? That would be funny. (laughs) (laughs) I just love everything that's... 
It's not just the hype that's going along with it. Everybody is getting into it. Everybody. Yep. Uh, whether you like Star Wars or not. <laughs> After The Phantom Menace came out and people were like, oh, that's what this is? You know, this actually is the first Star Wars movie from since the originals that actually looks good. Yeah. And, so, and, you know, and I mean, we know that J.J. Abrams has been a big fan of the series. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's not going to take it lightly. And there's so much of a homage to um, Ralph McQuarrie. It's oh my god, yeah, not believable, really, is it? You just look at any of them, um, and it's it is great. It's great to see. A reporter was left wishing he was on a galaxy far, far away when he confused the Star Wars Rebel Alliance with Al Qaeda during a live <laughs> broadcast. I'm going to have to apologise here because I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. It's Jota. Abriel uh, was talking on Spanish state broadcaster TVE's La Mañana, or tomorrow, I think it is actually, uh, when he used the Star Wars logo instead of Al-Qaeda's. He had been discussing France's missile strikes on Raqqa in Syria when he made the mistake. Pointing to the rogue logo, he explained Raqqa was one of the first cities to be taken in 2013 by terrorist groups, but terrorist groups from al-qaeda in fact the logo actually belongs to the rebel alliance the interstellar faction that fights against star fader in the star wars sci-fi film franchise the <laughs> the error was first spotted by matthew bennett the editor of the spain report newspaper who then tweeted about it Abriel has since apologised by tweeting, This morning I confused a logo in an explanation during the programme. It was my fault, and I'm sorry if it offended anyone. Well, (laughs) it's not going to offend Star Wars fans, that's for sure. They're going to find that hilarious. But Al-Qaeda? I'm not too sure about that. (laughs) Who cares if they were offended? (laughs) After Paris, well, even before Paris, who cares if they get offended? Yeah. As soon as I saw it, I mean, I had no idea what this guy was going on about because I, I don't speak Spanish, but it's got all this stuff written in Arabic underneath the, the, the rogue. It's the Firebird, isn't it? I think it's they call it the, the, the logo. And I thought, that's not Al Qaeda. <laughs> How do you even mistake those two? <laughs> They're not even... They're nowhere close. So, yeah, somebody just didn't do their research. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Star Wars and Disney parks have quite a good history together. And with the new Star Wars theme lands in the works, the future is looking even brighter. But you don't have to wait for the new lands to open to get your Star Wars fix at Disneyland and Disney World because the season of the Force opened on November the 16th. The season of the Force gives guests daily opportunities to explore, interact and celebrate the galaxy far, far away. Back in 2011, the original Star Tours attraction was revamped, allowing guests to visit multiple worlds and over 50 possible story combinations made possible through random selection of multiple scenarios. During the season of The Force, however, 
A new adventure lets the guest explore the planet Jakku uh, from Star Wars A Force Awakens and even features cameos from a couple of your soon-to-be favourite characters. That is so awesome. I'd imagine it's going to be a little bit like that 360-degree mm-hmm. video that was uh, online. The second thing they're doing is called the Star Wars Launch Bay, which is uh, a new place to celebrate all things Star Wars featuring character greeting experiences a cantina complete with a hollow chest table <laughs> demos of current and up and coming video games and much much more one of the other features in the Star Wars launch bay are replicas of film props costumes shop models droids and other notable items from Star Wars you can see a, a life size and very intimidating flame trooper race speeder as well as classic models of X-Wings and TIE Fighters there was real life models of props that have and until now only been seen in animated form um, like uh, Ahsoka's lightsabers the ghost ship model from Star Wars Rebels Sabine's helmet from Star Wars Rebels and Ezra's lightsaber blaster hybrid from Star Wars Rebels which I really do like the the actual shape of the gun is almost like out of Space 1999 you, you kind of hold it like you would uh, a mug you put your hand through mm-hmm. the grip, point it and shoot. But if you press the button on the top, it extends to a lightsaber blade, which is awesome. Okay. <laughs> Space Mountain is now called Hyper Space Mountain. Oh, okay, cute. <laughs> which reimagines the classic Space Mountain attraction, but puts guests into the cockpit of an X-Wing fighter in the middle of a dogfight. And the squadron taking part in this thrilling assault is named... Blue 77 Squadron. Um, reference to the original name, Blue Harvest. And the 77 part of it is obviously in reference to the, the year that the film came out. Mm-hmm. Which was also the year that Space Mountain opened in Disneyland. The attraction also features a new soundtrack inspired by the film score recorded by the London Symphony Orchestra, especially for Disneyland. Star Wars also takes over the Tomorrowland Theatre, the former home of another George Lucas creation Captain EO if you remember that oh yeah with Michael Jackson and the new thing is called Star Wars Path of the Jedi guests can relive Star Wars story by Luke Skywalker's journey with an immersive um, elements including lights motion and and more so it's more like a 4DX experience Mm -hmm. and if that's not enough the whole thing ends with a full trailer of the Star Wars Force Awakens so they're really going to town interesting you're mentioning that it was based on the music could be based on the Force Awakens or at least influenced by it I decided to search on Amazon. These guys are being really, really cautious about leaking info. Because the the soundtrack to The Force Awakens is available for pre-order on Amazon, but they do not have any track list. They've got the cover shown, so they know what it's going to look like, but there is absolutely no track information to it. These guys are being really careful not to leak anything. Yeah. I suppose you can tell a lot by a music cue, though, couldn't you? I mean, you can tell somebody's emotions from a music cue. Well, I know that with other movies, they actually had parts spoiled based on the names of the music tracks from the soundtrack. Oh, I guess so, yeah. Imagine if they had a track named Han Solo's Death. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that would go (laughs) down. Something like that. I I was just wondering about that. Oh, hey, you know, and I took a look and there's no track information. So Disney's being really, really, really careful. (laughs) 
Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spanheadproductions.weebly.com. So I think we better power down these engines, John, for another episode. And um, we'll be back with you early December. And we'll be talking to you about all things space. And I'll be talking to you a lot about Tim Peake and his mission to uh, the International Space Station. Because there's so much going on with Tim in this country. There's so many events coming up. Uh, It's the first time ever that the BBC have actually covered a launch live since Columbia took off for the first time. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's how important that is to Britain. Um, he is our first government-funded, shall we say, astronaut. <laughs> hmm. uh, we have had people in space before. They just haven't been funded by the UK Space Agency. It's going to be good. Uh, it's going on Stargazing Live. They're going to do a Stargazing Live special. Uh, I'll be watching that. There'll be a lot of other things coming up. Uh, and I will keep you all informed of, of all the different bits and pieces that you can listen out for and watch and yeah a really important time to be British at the moment in the space industry we are very excited to hear about it well, I'll be recovering from a large American Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> So thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we will talk to you again very soon. Toodles! Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. Be sure to visit www.tgpnominal.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode. Just look for the relevant tab on the menu. Let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com Because your input is our output. Or you can use the social media icons at the top of the page that include Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also TuneIn and Stitcher On Demand Radio. You can find a link on our podcast pages. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages, and don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.